Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the NRL Bulldogs Fans Podcast. Well, I'm Siddiqui with Scott once more for another episode of uh, the NRL Bulldogs Fans Podcast. Scott, how are you doing tonight? In shock. Everything's changed. <laughs> we'll get to that in just a second. Well, if we're honest, we were actually talking about not doing a episode this week due to work commitments and uh, the fact that it's not there wasn't much to uh, talk about after the loss to the Brisbane Broncos last weekend. Um, that suddenly changed uh, over the last uh, 24 to 48 hours, and we thought, well, we have to put one out this week. Dean Pay has been removed as coach of the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs. Scott, what is your initial thoughts? I feel quite sad. I mean, you look at the start of the seasons, we've been pretty poor. We probably played the worst team in the competition, or at least the second worst team in the competition, and lost. Um, I felt, when I actually watched that game, I thought I feared for Dean Pay straight away. I actually said I don't see him lasting the season now. He really needs to win that one. But in saying that, I don't think in still saying that I don't think Dean Pay was given a fair chance to be coach. I think he was playing a, multiple roles at one stage this year, and um, yeah, I mean he's did all the hard yards, biding his time with the salary cap, and he get cops he just cops a kick kick in the crutch when he can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, it's a pretty big kick to the crutch. Uh, well, after that loss to Brisbane, uh, hours days afterwards. It really started to build up momentum that Dean Pay was about to, uh, well, at least lose his job for next season. Um, and then all of a sudden, uh, Dean Pay, after being told that he wasn't going to be the coach in 2021, decided to resign. Um, and as a bit of a shock, assistant coach Steve Antonelli has quit as well. So we've lost the head coach, one assistant, and then another assistant's interim. So we've got no real assistants or no real head coach. Yeah, there's not much information out about uh, why Steve has uh, left the club as well. We can just at this stage assume that he's probably not happy with the way that Dean Pay was treated by the club, which is fair enough. Mm, yeah, I could, it's fair comment because I reckon at the start of this year with Dean Pay, especially after the Ockenbaugh, uh, Corey Harinara stuff at the start of this season, it felt like Dean Pay was acting CEO as well as head coach of a Canterbury side, because they were nowhere to be seen. Dean Pay was the only person to be seen, and he was the only one who could provide answers, because everyone else, where was the other people? Nowhere to be seen. Yeah, and well, Dean Pay at the end of the Broncos game asked for some uh, clarity going forward. Well, he got some. <laughs> He's now gone. Uh, yeah, well, Dean Pay, I guess the obvious figure out there, the thing that's been repeated multiple times is that he wasn't really given a fair, fair crack at coaching in the NRL. Uh, his three seasons at the club have been hamstrung by um, the club being under the salary cap by large amounts and paying players that are no longer at the club. Next year uh, the club will have its full salary cap back for the first time in a few years and we'll have a new coach. And who should that be? Who do you reckon? Yeah. Well, look, the rumours are Trent Barrett, the former Illawarra Steeler, St. George Illawarra Dragon, and uh, New South Wales Blue. Played for and Cronulla Shark. Cronulla Shark, New South Wales Country, uh, Australia, Kangaroo. Uh, terrific uh, player career. Uh, 
one shot at coaching in the NRL at Manly with a 39% win rate over three years. Uh, doesn't fill you with a lot of confidence. Uh, he's the one that is... Uh, well, he's currently given all the wraps for the Panthers' attack this season, which mm. is interesting. Yeah, Panthers' attack, it's been impressive. But in saying that, look at the kettle they have. The kettle. To go, yeah, well, to go back to your question, who should coach? I did put a tweet out a couple of days ago saying that if you're going to replace Dean Pay with a coach, a rookie coach like Trent Barrett, uh, to rebuild the club, you might as well just keep Dean Pay. Dean Pay has a 34% winning rate uh, with a club without a full salary cap. Trent Barrett has a 39% winning rate. I feel like if you're going to remove Dean Pay from his role, uh, whether that's this year or next year, you'd have to you'd had to already have somebody in place that was better than him, almost like a guarantee. So you're talking about your Craig Bellamy's, your Wayne Bennett's. I'm not talking about these people specifically, but that type of stature. Even yeah. somebody like an Anthony Griffin. Would have more runs on the uh, more runs on the board. Jeff Tuvey would have more runs on the board than Trent Barrett. So I'm mean, a bit of shock that we we just going from Dean Payne to Trent Barrett. Or it seems like we're going from Dean Payne to Trent Barrett. I don't think much is going to change as far as um, their levels of coaching. Mm. And I don't know if he can recruit anyone that's. Well, who Dean Pay couldn't recruit, to be honest. Like, I that's, know he might recruit a half. That's the other thing. If he's coming in to rebuild the club from next year with a full salary cap, who is he bringing? Because mm. if you, you know, say if we got Craig Bellamy out of the Storm contract, you would know there'd be probably one or two players currently in the Melbourne Storm that would move to be with him. Mm. And then, uh, have... and then it's pro- sorry, there's probably another one or two players that haven't uh, been coached by Craig Bellamy at other clubs that would then move to the Bulldogs to have the opportunity to be coached under Craig Bellamy or Wayne Bennett or that type of coach. Trent Barrett, like, who's moving from Pen- who's following him from Penrith, who's coming from uh, Cronulla because of Trent Barrett's coach in Canterbury. I don't know if anyone will. No, yeah. I mean, it was, a bit, it was pretty much what I was going to say. Like, with Bellamy coming up, like, he would have even attract people from Sydney to come across from different Sydney clubs who are not there, who would want it to be, but maybe their biggest fear was moving to Melbourne or moving away from the house, but, you know, moving away from the new, from Sydney. That way, yeah, I agree. That was going to be my question to you. Who would follow? Yeah. Trent well, Barrett. If you use Bellamy as, a, as an example, you'd imagine Josh Adekar would follow Bellamy. Because he needs to move back to Sydney for family reasons, uh, doesn't really want to leave Melbourne Storm in the culture Bellamy's uh, created down there. But that's the type of thing that we're talking about. Um, second biggest piece of news this week, which in any other week you'd imagine would be the biggest news: Corey Harawira Naira and Jaden Ockenbos suspended start of the year for going and having sexual relations with school children. Have had their Indefinite suspensions overturned and employment reinstated. Well, Scotty, what do you feel about this one? I don't know how Jan Ockenball got off. <laughs> he left the paper trail behind him on Instagram and Snapchat or whatever social media website he used, so I don't know how he was able to get back. 
Um, I could see Corey Herrera coming back because he had no. There was like the it was basically a coincidence that it happened, and there was no proof otherwise saying why it was. But um, I don't know. Like, it's a weird one because will the players accept them back in the squad? Well, Kieran Foran has come out and said that um, he will accept them personally back in the squad, uh, both of them. So yeah. if he's uh, representative of the rest of the playing squad, uh, Kieran said that he, he thought that they've done their time. But if they're free to play by the by the lawbreakers, uh, he's happy to have them. A bit harsh when um, they lost you, the major sponsor, so they were working very hard to get it, and they were going to announce it on round one. It was going to be a big... Announcement: They had the jerseys yeah. printed and ready to go, and then they had to quickly go back to the original jerseys. So that's disappointing. So they, not just they lost the sponsor, but then they had to quickly get another jersey out ready to I go. I believe I could be wrong, Scott, but I believe they actually had to get the jerseys without the sponsorship done in a quick rush before round one, because mm. the promos in the preseason weren't they weren't the right jerseys. Like they were NRL standard jerseys. They're just quick, cheap uh, done ups of the jersey for the promo shots. But the actual jerseys that go out on the field were going to have rashes on it. Uh, sponsorship got pulled. They didn't actually have the jerseys for to play in blank, and they had to quickly rush that through. Mm. Yeah, so that means, that means it's cost them. So they've lost the sponsorship, they've lost money. Another sponsor pulls out after the Parramatta game, so they weren't able to keep another one, and they blamed the off-field scandal. So they've lost two sponsors, so we would have had rashes on our across our chest, and I don't blame them for pulling out. Um, so you look at it on a... There's a lot of people working hard to get the sponsorships in the head office to get it done, like the, the sponsors' executive team and everything like that to get it done. For two people who couldn't follow any rules. It was very unethically wrong. So in that sense, you'd be upset. Also, then I'd get upset as a playing group. You're about to kick off round one, and all this blows up in your face before round one's kickoff game. Like, you know, you would have loved... I don't know if Jade Knockenball would have made the squad, or if he, I'd probably assume he would have, but Corey, being the star second row where he was, was a guaranteed starter at second, second row of Josh Jackson. Would you forgive him? Like, I don't know, like... He, he's really blown up the season and it's part of the reason I could probably say now that because Dean Bay had to answer all these questions for so long about these players and because there was no Andrew Hill or Lynn Anderson to really come out and answer some of the questions. It was a lot like left on Dean Bay. Um, I You could probably say that Corey Herrera and Naira and Jade Nockenball might have ruined Dean Bay's coaching chances ever again. And that's something that if I was in the playing group, I don't think I could look at them the same. And personally, I wouldn't want them back because they've done their damage for the season for a stupid act. Yeah, it definitely hurt Dean Pay's chances, at least. Um, I was reading before we came on uh, into the studio that um, well, you uh, there was a tweet put out on Twitter today uh, from NRL Bulldogs fans saying that Corey Harrier and Lyra doesn't want to wear the Bulldogs jersey again after the way the club treated him. Uh, which is interesting after the point you just finished on there, Scott. What about the way he treated the club? Um, that was a story from James Hooper, but had no quotes in it. I did read a story today, though, that uh, had quotes from Corey's manager stating that he would like to have a meeting with the club 
before deciding whether he'd like to stay with the club, because obviously both players have been reinstated into the squad. Uh, whether he'd like to stay with the club or then move on. Uh, and Jaden Lockenbaugh apparently is very keen to rejoin the club uh, at Belmore, um, which is a bit disappointing for me because... I was shocked when I heard the news breaking that they had been reinstated. But one of my first thoughts after that was, well, we could do with someone of Harawira and Lyra's abilities. So if we end up getting Ogdenball back and losing Corey, well, talent-wise, it's not too great, is it? No, it's not. And I would love to have someone like Corey's ability in the squad, no doubt. Hands down, who's definitely one of my favourites last year. But I think, how, if this manager is correct, how dare he decide if he wants to be back at the club? He should be on his knees apologizing for losing $2 million. Like, he shouldn't be going on the high ground that the way you treated me. What about the way you knocked out the sponsors? What about the way you let down every single player in the, the dressing room with your careless actions? He knew you, 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 you had to be an idiot not to believe that it wasn't going to blow up in his face. And it happened to do it before round one, which really took out all the news of being excited, Bulldogs vs. Parramatta at Penquest Stadium last time we beat them, that was the build-up two weeks. We're all talking about, we did it last time, we beat them at Penquest, they got a good squad to now the Bulldogs at Cross Harbour. That was the whole round one thing. And it turns, I don't think he has any right, I think he should be on his, like, on his knees apologising to the club, not saying the way they treated me. Have, I feel like he's got a decision. I don't see how he gets away with that. The article is stating that the dogs are unlikely to fire them after the reinstatement uh, due to legal reasons. And because of that, the club will leave, leave the decision up to the players whether they want to stay uh, or go. Alrighty. Uh, next bit of news. Kind of went under the radar this week with everything else going on. Scotty's favourite from the uh, reserve grade squad. Oh, reserve grade squad regular Morgan Harbour has been released to Manly of all places it's a Obviously, shame it's, yeah. it's a double whammy really he's gone to a, a really crappy club and he's left Um, I don't know I don't know how he didn't get it I think he signed this deal a little bit earlier in the year because he only got to play one game and with the issues we're having in our centres and our back line you would have thought he would have been able to crack a couple of games this year at some stage. Um, well, good luck to him. Give himself a chance. And now he's going from being in a club fighting for the spoon and with all this off-field drama to being going to a club that's fighting to get in the, be in the eight. Yeah, good luck to Morgan Harper. And I hope he bec- um, becomes a part of the first ever wooden spoon for Manly. That would be great to see. And then he comes back. <laughs> he's a good player. He's a really good player. All right, um, another bit of news uh, today. Uh, this one will be a bit of a shock to you, Scotty, because I uh, forgot I was here. But uh, Kamali has distanced himself from rumours that or speculation that he could return to the club as part of a coaching group involving Jason Riles and England rugby union coach Eddie Jones. That's just weird. <laughs> I don't... Uh... I mean, well, Jason Jason Riles is apparently the next cab off the rank after Craig Fitzgibbon for an NRL job uh, out of people who haven't coached in the, in the NRL at a head coaching level. Um, Eddie Jones seems like a bit of a joke, doesn't it? 
rugby union coach coaching in the NRL. Alan Jones left the Wallabies to coach Belmain in the early 90s. But um, there's not much crossover these days in the yeah. coaching worlds, I wouldn't think. It's crazy. Um, I don't I don't even know why Eddie Jones would want to, if he was to come to a, and I don't know why anyone would be interested in a rugby union coach. He's he's not a young rugby union coach either. Then also, I don't know why he, if he was to be approached by the Bulldogs, to first of all to learn a new game. Obviously, he probably knows about league, but to learn everything, all the rules properly, and to everything. To be able to coach it, yeah. Yeah, to be to be able to coach it. Number two, he's going to go to a team that's coming dead last on the ladder, needing the most amount of guidance through this time. It's a difficult job for anyone to accept. Some some of the um, better coaches to accept. But um, I can't see him then learning all the NRL rules and off-field stuff like salary caps and how much they spend. And Well, Eddie loves his rugby league, and I think the idea would be that you'd put strong assistants around him. He'd come in as like a mentor, as a head coach, pick your team, uh, put in certain players that he would like to put in. majority of the coaching gets done by the strong assistant coaches and your recruitment and all that will get done by your recruitment officers and your CEO and all that sort of thing. Um Sounds good in theory. I just don't see how it would be able to work in reality. No, because then you, all your players would be when they're working on a certain aspect of their game. Instead of approaching the head coach, you know, the head coach has those difficult, difficult conversations when someone's been dropped. Yeah, well, and for him to then go, oh, go seek your assistant for further <laughs> details. Like, well, the assistant coaches do do most of the actual coaching and training these days, anyway. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, Dean Pay wouldn't have been dropping someone like Lachlan Lewis and said, well, seek your assistant for more further support because I'm, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> he wouldn't have said that. I'll tell you what, it would be an interesting thing to watch if Eddie Jones was coach of the NRL, of an NRL club. Just hope it's not our NRL club. <laughs> I mean, he was going to coach the Sharks the other week. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I remember him being quoted before as um, he was being asked about exciting rugby union. And I think he was quoted as saying something along the lines of, if you want to watch exciting rugby, go watch rugby league or rugby sevens. <laughs> Fascinating. It's interesting. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I'd be a big punt. You mm. would almost, I reckon Andrew what about, Hill. Um, the board oh, no, sorry, you go. I was going to say Andrew Hill and the board would be putting their, uh, their jobs on the line, literally, if they're if, not, if, if they the haven't already. already. Yeah, if they haven't already, if they sign something like that, that's literally if they get off. If Woodles gets to a poor start next start, which is if you're going to give a fair go to Eddie Jones, you've got to give him some time to get around it. But it if they lose like three or four plus. straight, if they lose three or four straight, <laughs> what about uh, Breckamore there? Breckamore coming back to the club as assistant coach has distanced himself. From the club in that aspect, but um, that would we could do a lot worse than Breckenmorley. Oh, I mean, he was a, a great halfback. He played for the club in the last two years of his career. He did some work after um, retirement with the club. Uh, I mean, I, I would love someone like Breckenmorley, but if he wants to take his coaching game seriously, I think um, he might be avoiding the Bulldogs for a while. Yeah, well. Well, the interesting thing is Michael Ellis has also been linked to the club. He's been linked with Wayne Bennett. Uh, apparently, there's a push from somewhere where Wayne Bennett will come as a head coach and then teach Michael how to be a head coach. 
and Michael will take over Wayne, kind of like how the South's assistant coach, Jason Demetrio, will take over Wayne Bennett at the end of 21. Does Michael even want, like, he's done some coaching stuff with uh, Ricky Stewart at the Raiders. But he's assistant he's, coach there, isn't he? Yeah, and then he does some coaching, he did some coaching stuff with Cronulla post-retirement, obviously after their grand final win in 2016. So he's had a little bit of time doing assistant stuff. Um, does he need someone like Wayne Bennett? I'm a bit fearful if we've got someone like Wayne Bennett at the club because I think he's... I think we need someone who's going to be there for a while or someone who's committed to be there for a while. I don't think Wayne can commit more than two or three years at a time. No, but I think that's what the idea is trying to resolve. The big issue of clubs trying to get Wayne Bennett now at this point of his career is that you're right, you're only getting for two or three years. He hasn't got the time left to rebuild a club over five, eight, ten years. But if you have him with Michael Ellis... It's kind of like fast-tracking your head coach. So you'd end up with your Wayne Bennett for three years, putting everything in place, and you end up with a Wayne Bennett-like coach coaching you for the next five, eight, ten years. And I think that's what South are trying to do. Yeah, I understand the theory. I just don't know if Michael has to be willing to leave his nice, cushiony job at Fox Sports, the Fox League. Well, he might not have to. Mm. <laughs> I'm just... Not why his assistant, at least. Oh, yeah, but I just mean, like, it's a good job. He's got a nice job, you know, commentated a couple of games a week, an analyst on the other couple of games a week. Uh, no strain on his job if they if the teams lose. And he gets to make comments, and even if he's wrong, I he guess creates it, a conversation. I guess it does depend what kind of goals he's got, though, in the game, doesn't it? Whether mm. he sees himself as a commentator in the next 10 years or whether he wants to actually be involved in the coaching side of things long term. Scotty, as you know, whenever we record a podcast, news breaks. And it's happened again. I was just about to direct us in the direction of last week's game. But apparently, the Canary Bankstown Bulldogs and Trent Barrett have cleared the air over the manly issues. The article states that Canterbury's hierarchy and number one coaching target, Trent Barrett, have assured each other that the two key elements of his messy manly exit club instability and his own man management errors won't undermine a prospective role at Belmore. He is understood to be interviewed by the club this week after Dean Pay and CEO Andrew Hill first agreed to a mutual parting of the ways. First initial response on that, Scotty? Looks like he's here, I guess. Looks like he's... Mm. A three-year three offer is believed to be in the works of the pair for assistant. Yeah, it looks like it's just now waiting to probably next week or the end of this week to, before it becomes official. Well, if Barrett's convinced that whatever issues he had at Manly won't affect his time at the Bulldogs and he's uh, impressed the club officials that that will be the case, if he's handed the job, I think it's up to the club to then do the same thing in, uh, for the fans, convince the fans and impress the fans with this appointment. Mm, like it's just mind-boggling because I was going to actually ask you who you would have, if you had the CEO cap on and now you've, or you've walked in now and you had to pick a coach for next year, I was going to ask you who you would pick. And I don't think many fans are actually going to pick Trent Barrett, to be honest. I would have went with, I reckon the best coach out there, currently not coaching the LRL, is Jeff Tuvey. 
See, I couldn't go Jeff Tuvey after the Des Hasler. <laughs> I no, but this is just. It yeah, just I think that's Jeff, a hard sell. Jeff Tuvey doesn't do the salary cap, but if you look at all the coaches not in the NRL, I think Jeff Tuvey. And I haven't done the research for this, so if I'm wrong, correct me. But Jeff Tuvey has the best winning percentage, and I feel like he was hard done by when he left Manly. When he was kicked out of Manly, it was a bit of a shock, and to replace him with Trent Barrett. I think he had one poor season, which they almost made the eight in at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, so, I think whether if, whether or not he'd fit at the club, I, I'm not sure. I probably side with you and say no. But if you're the CEO, your job is to get the best possible coach. Am I right? Yeah, I get what you're saying. But if I was to put my one on, on I'd be saying Anthony Griffin. So I think he would be able to attract players. I don't, I don't think he was given a fair chance. He was coming fourth when he got sacked. <laughs> How's the coach come fourth? Like you've you've met the expectations, if not. You can't like always. The goal is to be top four, yeah. Like especially if you're a top team, you look and if they did their review at Penrith. I think that season Penrith would be would have been happy with the eight. They're alone in the top four, and he got sacked doing the, what he was doing. I think he would be someone I'd get. Um, he's definitely not the most fun personality at the media conferences, but I actually believe I've, I've, I did my research and actually I think Jeff tv has got fifty eight percent winning record. I think Anthony Griffin's got fifty eight point three. But Tuvi's got a premiership, so yeah, yeah. yeah well, that's pr- I'll call that even the the percentage, not the premiership, the percentage rate. That's pretty yeah. close. It's a game in it also, um, but yeah, well, those would be two number one candidates. I'd I'd say if the club was looking for a new coach. So if the Bulldogs have Trent Barrett, I'd say Warriors go after those two. All right, Scotty, we have to talk about it. Last week, I was going to just interrupt you because we haven't actually mentioned the man who's actually coaching for the year. Steve John Jarlis <laughs> this year. And I thought I'll just quickly, before we talk about like, this delay it just a little bit longer, can we? Just I'll quickly give you a wrap so people who don't yeah, know. Go for it. Steve, he was a former Rooster, uh, Magpie, and West Tigers player. Uh, he has coached Greece in 16 games for 11 wins. Now, if you can keep up with me, 2003, he was the coach of Greece. 2005, he came back. Between 2012 and 2014, he was the coach of Greece, and then he came back in 2016 to 2019. So it's been a little come and going. I think that 2016 to 19 is 2016 to current because he's just got Greece into the World Cup. Well, I hope so. I mean, <laughs> it'd be a tough uh, gig if he uh, lost it. So that gives him a 68.8% winning record uh, with Greece. He then went on to coach 11 games with the Panthers as filling coach. I think after Matt Elliott left, so he did eleven matches for four wins, seven losses. So he's got he's sitting at thirty six point four percent in the NRL, but again, tough times when he was coaching. Uh, but he went on to coach the New South Cup Grand Final a couple of years ago, and winning it, and then he was promoted to the assistant coach last year for the Bulldogs. So he's had some success at the lower level. But uh, does he come in contention to coach for the future, or? Is- well, I always say it this way. Once you put an interim coach into the role, they are... Well, it's a hard one, isn't it? Because I was about to say, once you put an interim coach into the role, like Todd Payton at the Warriors, you are then... Um, what's the word I'm looking for here, Scott? Um, not rehearsing. Trialing. You are trialing for the job. So if you make every post a winner while you're an interim, you could then become the head coach. But if we're already... 
organising who's coaching next year now without giving him a chance. No, I don't think he'll have a shot at all. Well, that's a bit harsh. He might actually, he might, but he might be putting his hat on the ring for a few other coaching jobs because he hasn't been spoken about elsewhere. Um, like you said, the Warriors being a club that could see that. Absolutely. All right. Larks weekend. The Canterbury makes the Bulldogs travelled to uh, Brisbane. I was about to say Melbourne. Travelled to Brisbane to play the Broncos in a game we definitely should have won. We lost 26 points to eight. Nick Meany and Dallin were telling scoring the tries. Uh, no no goals for us. Um, and, well, is saying it's the most pathetic performance we've seen from a Bulldogs team too hard, Scott? No, I think it's fair because I looked at that and I, when I watched the game and I um, was watching it, I was thinking, how poor are the Brisbane Broncos? Uh, they are playing atrocious and they walked away 26-8. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So do you want to go into that more, Scott? Sorry, I will. The Brisbane Broncos were making errors like there was no tomorrow. Uh, I don't, they looked, I don't know, a bit clunky in attack. Uh, but still, like, I don't know how they managed to score 26 points. I'm still trying to figure that out. Like, how can a team look so bad? Um, I was watching the Steve Turner video where he constantly does previews of games quickly on... Um, the Bulldogs social media pages. Uh, he went on to say that the Bulldogs completed at a higher completion rate, 80% to 74%. Uh, the Bulldogs made fewer tackles than the the Broncos. The Broncos actually missed more tackles than the Bulldogs. And you look at those stats, it points to a Bulldogs win. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but uh, it was just a, Appalling, and I think it was this. I actually watched that game the first set I watched when Brisbane went up and Bulldogs went up. I said, Bulldogs are making the first set was they were making easy ground easy, and I said, This is actually a really positive start. The first, just a very, very first set. And I wrote this down so I didn't forget. And it was not until Dallin were telling Zelezniak's drop ball where everything just changed. Uh, that was the end. When I re when I rethink about the game again, look at that, that drop ball at that time of the game. I think that was when... It changed the game, yeah. Yeah. We were, it was a bit of a arm wrestle that we were probably on top of. Yeah, we were definitely on top. that first period of time. We uh, and then we lost the ball. Pretty sure Brisbane scored off it and game over, basically. And that's just another thing. We need a character to get back. And then when we go into halftime 10-6, you actually go into halftime, and I'm thinking, yeah, this is actually not too bad. Like, this has not been a great half for yeah. us. It hasn't, but Brisbane haven't been great. We just can't let them score first. We just got to get out and score yeah. the first try. And then, again, the starting of the the game, the starting of the half, I mean, this has been an issue for us for a whole season, was poor. But it just felt like that Dallin drop ball. I, I don't. I mean, it's a big call, but I don't feel like if he doesn't drop that ball, I reckon a completely different game gets played out. Yeah, well, uh, I'm in agreement there. Look, the game was so bad that, that on top of uh, work schedules, I was keen not to do an episode this week. Just because, what do we? What do you say about that? Mm. If you have anything to say about it, let us know. But um, well, Scott, I'm going to let, let you keep talking because I've literally got nothing to say. Well, um, I... <laughs> and then we'll do our players of the players of the week. Well, I was just yeah, I was just going to say that. I mean, the one thing I can only bring up is Sienna Katoa, who made his debut with for the Bulldogs 
this year and uh, Luke Thompson, so I'll give him a quick congratulations. But Katoa only played 20 minutes. Yeah, well, what's the deal? What, what's the deal with that? And I read an article, a little put- piece. Sorry, what said that he didn't impress in his 20 minutes at the start. I was like, <laughs> he's an attacking hooker, right? That's yeah, his well, forte. If you use, if you're going to use Katoa and Marshall King as two hookers in the same team, well, then Marshall King's got to start. And then Katoa's going to come on after 20 minutes when the opposition gets tired. Mm, and That's the type of player he is. Um, even that, we'll let him play 60 minutes and let him show you what he's got. Because like, he, was, he, was nev- mm, he was never given a chance to bra- do what he, he was doing. He was braiding them at Pillar. Mm. His performances for Tonga were fantastic. He was one of the most underrated hookers in the competition. I just can't see why. Like they said that he didn't show how good he was. In 20 minutes, when we dropped the ball in our second set and we've been put on the defense, and every time we touch the ball, we'll, the Broncos were kicked into the like, you know, corners in our half. He's not going to take much dummy half runs 10 meters, like 10 meters in front of the post. So I don't see why, what he could have done any differently, really. And when he did go off after 20 minutes, I expected him to be back at the 60th minute mark. Mm, yeah, 40-minute hookers, yeah, and finish off the game, yeah. Yeah, old school. All right, Scotty, your players of the week. Okay, so this was the most difficult one, by the way. Yep. So I um, <laughs> hope you hold with me. I've given two points to Nick Meany, uh, 12 runs. For 98 metres, 23 post-contact metres, two tackle breaks, one line break, seven tackles, and a try. Uh, Nick started on the wing. He finished the game on the fullback. He didn't let us down defensively on his edge. Uh, there was a few um, moments where it looked like he dropped the ball, and there was times where it was a knock on Brisbane prior. Uh, I thought he was quite... Uh, I suppose like It was very uh, scary moments when the bomb went up to him and where... Uh, he was going one-on-one with the ball, but I feel like Nick played well and all the times he actually held them out quite nicely. He finished at fullback where he was actually floating around um, at fullback, so I don't think it was a, a big surprise for me seeing Nick Minnie shifted to fullback this week because that's where he finished the game off last week, despite some fans thinking it's a bit of a surprise. I'll give him... <laughs> he played the last 20 minutes, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, he finished the game, and that's where Dallin scored his try. On, on the, the wing, wing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't like Dallin came flying through the middle yeah. But he looked dangerous. I thought Nick Minnie was sniffing around. I said the biggest issue I had with Nick at fullback last year was he was good under the high ball. He has a good passing and running game. He's pretty like consistent. He can do both. It was just he never had push support. Like it felt like there was, he was pushing it sometimes and never like all like always. But the last twenty minutes, I mean, I suppose it's easier for when you're doing it for twenty minutes. He looks like he was always around the ball, which yeah. is pleasing to see. And I've given one point to Kieran Foran, two try assists, hundred and thirty run meters. Uh, um, he lost the second point. I put this note down. He he didn't get two points because he had a few poor kicks, <laughs> and he gave a repeat set away and he kicked early once. And those are things that I expect will be better from Kieran Foran, but he still gets a point. And I just quickly highlight Luke Thompson's performance: sixty meters, nine runs, eighty-six meters, twenty-six post-contact meters, one tackle break, and thirty-six uh, thirty-six tackles. And he played the first forty minutes straight in your first NRL game. That's a pretty massive effort. I um, was wrong from last podcast to say that he was. Uh, I said he should have a week off. He looked good. He looked fit. Like I'm, I'm. I'll take that back. He should have been playing yeah. last week for sure. Um, I highlight him. He was pretty close to get a point. 
was tossing up between those three, but there's not many to highlight after that. I don't know if I agree if he should have played last week. He actually ran for 86 metres there, Scotty. What did I say? You said 60. I think you oh. look at that minutes played there. Yeah, uh, that minutes played. Yeah, sorry, 86 minutes. That's correct. That I did was right, 86. I did that was it. the equal highest run meters from anyone in the pack, tying with Raymond Patala Mariner. And in defense, uh, I think he was four tackles off the highest uh, for the club in the game. And that's why I got him, gave him two points. Um, and also, he hasn't played a game in three or four months, and he looked like our best forward player out there just just watching the game without looking at the statistics mm. and i then also gave lick many one point for reasons you've mentioned earlier so that puts luke thompson on the board and lick many jumps up a little bit on the overall leaderboard um the top three are currently tied on seven points now uh and they are ada tolman adam elliott and kieran foreign so top three all got the same amount of points equal first well adam's not going to be moving anywhere <laughs> anywhere soon <laughs> Oh, that's sad. But in your thing to say that only three players made over 100 metres. Yeah, they were all backs, which is just, like, disappointing, really. Like, how, do, how are you supposed to... You said earlier, we're looking at the stats, saying the Bulldogs uh, were better in the stats for all these team stats and that we should have won. But how do you win without one forward running 100 metres? Yeah, exactly. You're ex- exactly right. And when the forwards have played big minutes, too, we're not talking about 20 minutes off the bench. Uh, short minutes. Dallin, 193. Kieran Foran, 130. Christian Crichton, 109. Everyone else is below 100. So there you go. All right. This week we play the Sir George Illawarra Dragons, and there's been a few changes to the team. You've said Nick Mealy's at the fullback. Dallin Wattelli Zalesiak on the wig. Um, Holland's back into the centres. Uh, Lachlan Lewis at halfback. Uh, so, you know, God help us. Uh, Jeremy Marshall King starting at hooker and Sione Katoa onto the bench as well. Yeah, what, do you, um, what do you expect from us this week? Not well. <laughs> not well. Like um, My first point when I was writing dot points for this week is why is Lachlan Lewis back? Um, and my second one was where's Jack Cogger? If you're going to replace Brendan Wanken, where's Jack Cogger? Uh, he wasn't even made in the reserves either, so um, I'd rather see Avrillo in the halves. Mm, I mean, have some time next to Foran, learning how someone of his experience plays the game and sees the game. That's going to be a lot more beneficial long term. Well, fingers crossed. Um, you know, he's in the. He, he was cleared a bit earlier to come back to the Bulldogs. So from his parents' uh, COVID scare, being at the same. Thing, so he's cleared to come back. Um, he might play halfback. He's in the reserves list at number 20. Who knows? Also, Kieran Holland, he's had some shockers, absolute shockers, and he finds his way back in the starting side. I mean, I know we're a bit... Yeah, I think his I biggest error is Kate Williams out of position, though, so I'm okay with that one. Well, he might. He, it might be a, a... I don't know. It could be a battle between him and Jake for uh, the centre spot, and then, like you said, maybe Jake might get to run a halfback. I don't know. All right, let's finish this episode on a positive. Scotty, the referee for this week is Henry Perilara, and I think it feels like we get a good go with him, so who knows what might happen. Oh, before we go, Lafay has been linked with the club again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's been named in the 20 jersey for Sir George Illawarra, um, but reports are he might be at the Bulldogs as early as next week. Well, I saw the story, and actually the original story said he might be at the Bulldogs as early as this week. 
and he, he could be he could be playing center because he's in the dragons team. <laughs> yeah, and he could be playing center against the dragons. That's how they were saying that he could his first game could be against his old club with his old old club. Yeah. I guess <laughs> I I read that story too, but straight away I was like, "There's no way the dragons are going to release a player the week they're playing the team they're going to release him to." Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Like that would have been unlikely, but it would have been funny because it would have made sense because we could have had him in at Remus Smith's position. Do you want him back? Well, not really. I mean, <laughs> I loved him at the Bulldogs originally. Um, there's no, I'm not saying the yeah. playing ability at, at all from Tim Lafayette, but I'm just like, he we hasn't had really more... set the world on fire at the, at the George Lawara, has he? No, yeah, and he was good at the Bulldogs when he came as a young kid with a really poor haircut. That was, you said <laughs> at one stage, I remember we were watching him in 2011. In the 20s. <laughs> yeah, you said he needs to fix his haircut, and he played top grade with a better haircut later that year. He so did, you said didn't he? That, he yeah. said boo after having a haircut, yeah. Yeah, because he had a shocker, absolute shocker. <laughs> and I think Tim's uh, I've, a pleasure to uh, see him at like many multiple members' days and other events with the Bulldogs. Mm. I think he's a fantastic guy. I think he's really nice. Good family man, like you know, he there's a good image around him, but he's not in the dragon starting side. And we let Morgan Harper go. That's where I'm starting to get confused in that sense that we had a young guy at the start of his career who's been wrapped by a lot of clubs. He's been like, you know, a lot of experts wrap Morgan Harper to be a big thing potentially to let him go to get Tim Lifey. It just it feels like it's a little step backwards. Does that make sense? All right, we are going to wrap the show up now, but we'll finish it with two bugbears of mine, Scotty. Two things that have come up repeatedly. Um, I'll get your opinions on them, and then that will be it for this week. Remus Smith and brain snaps. He's a talented player, but seriously, cut it out. You're going to ruin your career um, with stupidity. He's going to be the next BJ Leilua. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually a fair, fair point. Actually, I think it... about the headbutt on Sivo and uh, he attacked. Was it Ravalawa? Mm-hmm. Fijians at Bang West. Uh, then uh, suspended again this week. Which I would say, the shot he did this week was very much a dog shot. That tackle wasn't going anywhere. Mm. I've seen some cannonball tackles where I go, "Oh, that's a bit harsh." Like you know, the players pumping their legs. That's the next thing. Glenn yeah. wasn't moving. Yeah, and I think that's a fair dog shot. And when I saw it live, I was like, "Oh god!" Like you know who he's actually starting to remind me of, Blake Ferguson. Well, that's his cousin. Yeah, he... <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. He, he just gets into legally crap, and you just sit there watching him going, "What is he doing?" And like, just from, and he hasn't got the talent of Blake Ferguson. Yeah, that's uh, for me. He was a really good winger, and to put this this way, if Tim Lifei came to the club next week. Yeah, I'll get to a stage where I'm starting to get really annoyed with Remus Smith. Like you said, his little brain snaps. I would have Remus sitting in the reserves and having Tim Lifei start before him. That's how much he's starting to annoy me because I know Tim won't try to niggle. Like I've seen Tim he's before get a bit angry. Yeah. yeah, he's got some discipline about him, Tim, and he doesn't let those silly stuff get in his way. And you know when Tim Lifei's upset, there's usually a good reason why he's upset at the background. So. I agree. That's really starting to annoy me with Remus Smith because he's a talented kid. There's no doubt yeah. about it. Bugbear number two. People <laughs> on Twitter claiming that it's time to move Lachlan Lewis to lock. He's not big <laughs> enough to play lock, guys. He's not. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I I understand the idea behind it, right? Like 
Well, well I reckon he's a good defender, but in reality, he's not a good defender either. He can pull yeah. off some shots, but he finds himself uh, out of position in defense all the time, creating opportunities for the opposition attack. Mm. Agreed. Um, Just ask Willie Mason about it. Jeez. Have you heard his take on that? No, give me Willie's take and I'll give you my opinion after. <laughs> well, if you want uh, his take straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak, you can get it from Willie Mason's Take podcast. That's the name of it, Willie Mason's Take. Fair, fair, fair name. You get what you, you get what you promise there, don't you? And Willie uh, d- lets some firecrackers go. <laughs> he does. Uh, if you've got kids listening, don't so, listen uh, to that one. Uh, <laughs> he's. Uh, what are we talking about? <laughs> We're talking about our um, Lockle Lewis in defence. Uh, um, he's blown up a few times about his positioning and how he's uh, always out of position um, and that someone needs to teach him how to defend, basically. I say mm. the way I just said it is a lot less insulting than the way Willie had said it. <laughs> like, I, like I said, Willie uh, let some firecrackers. He doesn't, he doesn't hide at all what he's actually thinking at all. So I might have to give that episode a listen to. That was a few weeks back now. Um, Willie, if you're listening, come on the show, mate. We'd love to have your take on the podcast, even if it's adults only. So, well, now I'm going to put my opinion at lock at this lock position, right? I love the idea of having a lock who's a half, like, you know, your Brafe and Astors, Brett Fittlers, so on. Unfortunately... Lachlan Lewis is not a brave finaster or even a Brad Fittler at the biggest or step. Cameron Murray or Victor Adley. His passing game at best is average at best. He misses players more often than he actually hits them. Uh, there's been plenty of times where wingers have actually been upset with him. And if you watch replays of games where they get a ball and then you can see they're not very happy with the service they were given. Um, Christian Crichton scream at him a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. One of his last games. I'm pretty sure Christian was that unhappy that he yelling at him. Yeah. And it's not just like, I mean, there's been plenty of the last couple of years when Lachlan's been where some of the balls have been just interesting. Um, he doesn't create, so his attack's not great. So that aspect of my lock I like in a half, being a lock, has been taken away. Then you, your point of being being a good defender, and you've highlighted it perfectly. He can hit and stick, but he's a very much legs tackler as well, which often or not he actually gets um, lets the team score around him because he's taken the legs of players. So Lachlan was at lock. I mean, I saw a tweet where a Bulldogs fan said, we've got to stop playing people out of position. Like We've got to get Nick Minnie at fullback, Dallin on the wing. Hey, we need uh, Luke Thompson. He said Luke Thompson can't play lock because he's a prop. He's the best prop in the game, and he's playing lock, which I go, obviously, we're playing a, a, a third prop on the field. Then he goes on to say, to finish this off perfectly, let's put Lachlan Lewis at lock. And I remember the response. I can't remember who, Emilio or something like that. He has some fascinating opinions. It's fantastic. Anyway, someone responded is, you don't want people to play out of position, then your solution is to get a player to play out of position they've never played before. So. <laughs> yeah, cool. And this, uh, what we thought was going to be a pretty short episode, has gone pretty average length. <laughs> Do you reckon I can um, get one bug me one in before we leave? 
yeah, go for it. Because you've started this, and I think this is going to be a weekly or fortnightly <laughs> thing. What bugs us? <laughs> what bugs us? Is my final one, again, involving Lachlan Lewis. Mm. Can people stop suggesting he's a centre? I know. I, have, he played I haven't Wales. heard that one. I've pe- he's played New South Cup there. Yeah. He's played okay there. Yeah. But my goodness, he's slow. We're talking about having slow outside backs or but outside backs. He doesn't have that dynamic, you know, like a Josh Morris making things happen out of nothing. Or we don't have someone who's like really speed star. Like we don't have a speed star. Like Jacob Villio is the only one I can think who just, he's so quick. He can make things happen. And a defensive player hasn't done it in too much wrong. Mm. I don't think if we're going to go with the Lachlan Lewis at centre, and I've heard this a few times suggested that he should play in the centres, and uh, you could easily get rid of a Matoya or a Crichton out of the side. I think Matoya's been pretty strong this year. Well, I thought he was strong in his first game, and then no one else played good yeah. in the last game, so it's you can't really true. judge him on the last game at all. That's true. What do we think that Lachlan Lewis playing centre is going to... like? We, we Again, we say, this is our problem. Let's replace our problem... With someone who will bring this, and that's not um, that's not being rude to Lachlan Lewis because you'd be like putting Kieran Foran at centre. Yeah, that's just silly stuff. Or any like really quality players, that one's not having a dig at Lachlan Lewis. That's just saying that if he's going to play on our side, centre is not he's not fast enough to break the line. So we're saying our problem is we don't have speed to break the line or enough of it. So let's put a guy who's got the same issue with the rest of the outside backs to play there anyway. All right, I think we've rambled on long enough now, Scotty, and uh, sorry to the listeners for being... Um, we've had a few a few gaps here and there throughout this episode. I think uh, we've just been real disappointed and in a state of shock around uh, what's going on with the coaching at well, coaching situation at the moment. But if you got through this far, thanks for listening. Uh, next week, hopefully, me, uh, Scott, yourself and I will be a bit more upbeat. Hopefully, we're talking to you after a win. Uh, we're a bit more positive and happy, but yeah, I think that's just been the type of episode it's been. All right, thanks, guys. Bye. See ya.